0: This is exactly right. (laughs) Are you leaving? Are you on your way back home? Either way, we want to be there. Doesn't matter how much baggage you claim. Give us a time and date. Terminal and gate. We want to send you off in style. We want to
1: Uh, with Karen and Chris. Welcome to Do You Need a Ride? This is Chris Fairbanks.
0: And this is Karen Kilgaro. Hello, my friend. Chris, today I had a beehive removed from my backyard. You had,
1: I usually, I had something ready. You had a beehive right. removed? The
0: reason I bu- busted into mine is because you always do yours. Right. I think the bee news is breaking. I feel like a beehive removal is breaking news, so I just ran out first with it.
1: Did you, up to this point, have some sort of a bee problem because of the hive? I imagine you did.
0: Well, it's just that I had to get my trees trimmed, and the tree trimmer said, I'm not doing it if that beehive is there. And I said, I get you. I'm on your side, sir. So I had to have it removed before they would go and trim trees.
1: It's pretty presumptuous of him though, because what if you were a beekeeper and you were trying to make your own at home honey?
0: I was wearing the whole netted hat. <laughs> yeah, of course I you were. I don't know why he thought he could impinge on my life that way. But I started to think because he the, the man came to my door and said, I got the queen, I got the honeycomb, everything's out it's going to take a couple days and then the bees will be gone. And then I was like, what if that's bad?
1: Right. Yeah. You don't know about bee hierarchy. You take the queen away.
0: Well, that's, that's they'll, so they don't, they're not going to stick around, but like, what if bees, I don't know. It feels like it might be bad luck to lose bees.
1: Oh yeah. Chris, what do you think? I think it's a very end of the world thing. We need to appreciate all the bees (laughs) that we find because it's been years now that we've just seen them limping on sidewalks and you should have embraced them and taken them into your home. If you wanted my opinion, you got it. Shit, Fuck.
0: Here's the thing I can rely on you to tell me the truth about. Basically, if I thought things were bad now, Mm -hmm. just wait. To see now that the bees are Yeah, gone. I
1: have to bring in an environmental twist. Um, well, before we bring in our guest, I want to talk about the person that visited my house right before this. A man p- peeked in my window, Oh, and I guess he couldn't see me, but I was looking right at him, and then he hung a flyer, and I realized he was the guy on the flyer. Why, it was Kenneth, Kenneth Meggia. He's running for L.A. City controller, not comptroller, controller, and he himself did his own flyering.
0: Okay, he gets my vote simply by the fact that he showed up. I do
1: like that. Face to face. I do like that he hit the streets and did it old school like a cut knife salesman. However, I, do I too. Uh, it it says his credentials are 11 years of auditing experience. Now that's not someone I want peeking in my windows. I'm a little nervous. But
0: he's the if he's going to be the controller, isn't that the perfect experience? Well,
1: it I think I'm going to get audited now. Why else would he be peeking in my window? <laughs>
0: You saw your unpaid taxes yeah. laying on your t- on your desk. I
1: just yeah, I just have a giant stack of papers with an <laughs> IRS please ignore sign on top. I'm screwed
0: in the in the ignore pile.
1: Well, you know what I didn't ignore is my link to screen our guest's HBO Max comedy special. <laughs> you they call me the best segwayer in the business. I don't even know if segwayer is a world word. It's it's a whole world.
0: It's a world that you live in.
1: (laughs) It's out now, and after you hear him on our podcast, you're going to want to watch it because I find him to be uh, one of the most talented uh, comedian minds working today. You've seen him at clubs and colleges, colleges, so many colleges.
2: Yeah, troubling amount of colleges. (laughs) Just
1: creepy amount.
2: It was a, a really bad college I did where
1: um, Wait, no one said your name. It's fine. This is Moses it. Storm talking, everyone. Moses Storm. Moses Storm.
2: Uh, uh, I, every time I start a sentence, I'm like Moses Storm here. <laughs> um, but uh, they for promotion, I think it was like right after the last Comic Standing, which I was like, let's try to hide that credit. But uh, the college to promote the show that was happening because it's just like students, you know, they don't really do things. They spray painted my name on a mattress <laughs> <laughs> over it. I was like it was like, oh, this is like a, a fun billboard. But on college campuses, if you spray paint a mattress, it's a sign of protest. The people that are Uh, victims of sexual assault. That's like their protest. So it was the hands down worst promotion is my (laughs) name on a on a mattress.
0: (laughs) Borderline accusatory. Yeah, yeah, there's there's an element to it. Yeah, You don't want to be involved. The bad
1: guy's name is actually on the mattress. This is going to be easy. I know where he lives. I know.
0: I did a college once in, a, I believe, Arkansas. I it was, it was incredibly terrible. It was outside and like at night outside, I was standing in a gazebo. The children were over on a hill. There was a sign that had my name on it. And about 20 minutes into my absolutely silent set, uh, one side of the sign with my name on it just kind of fell down. And then I went, you know what, guys? I'm going to take that as a sign. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Was it I the kill failed. part
2: of your name? <laughs> 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 oh, that's so sad. It just Why went went outside away. is insane that anyone would think that would work. But that's all we did for the right. past two years. W-
1: yeah. Well, you paid for that gazebo. <laughs> Yeah, you got to use it right. for something jazz band. <laughs> uh, hasn't been, did you
2: know, going in because sometimes I'll go to a college and they're like, well, we have you in the corner of the cafeteria where we make echoes. Right. And, but, <laughs> Sometimes you kind of know. Sometimes they will show you a photo now and you're like, okay, this is a paycheck. So right. I'm going to stand on yeah, top no. of a Honda Civic and yell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had no warning. And its they're not actually allowed to do that because it's so bad for comedy, as we yeah. all know, that you that it has to be indoors. It's like contractually, whatever. And I remember standing in a very uh, florally, wallpapered, tiny bathroom before I went on Almost having a panic attack because I was like, there's no way this can be good. There's yeah. I'm I'm walking into what absolutely will be and was a terrible attempt at personality comedy with not enough hard jokes to please the children of Arkansas. It was <laughs> rough. Right.
2: How long did it take for them to figure out you weren't doing announcements? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like coming up in the spring because it's all freshmen <laughs> because if you're you know crushing it in college you don't have time to go to some comedy shows so it's all freshmen who yeah. are people are like you have a up with college girls no they're children the 18 yeah. year olds are 12 they're in my mind yes. they're braces this is a child and they are anxious if you're out you don't want to be alive and you're nervous because <laughs> you're not with anyone that you know it's the worst environment for a comedian to, to thrive yeah. in. And then this, they usually <laughs> have students bring you up. So they haven't built a show yet. It's just someone coming up who doesn't want to be on stage, but does all the announcements. They'll say usually your full bio, they'll say your name 1st it They'll be like, Chris Fairbanks. You know him from Fuel TV. He was in a controversial campaign to make a commercial. Like, what? <laughs> and then you'll kind of come up when they have finished the paragraph that's on your website. <laughs>
1: It's my favorite when they, when you they, they just Google your name and find a bio from the very beginning of your career. He got anything,
2: anything flew as a credit. Anything was like, he was, uh, he he was, he tested for a pilot. Oh, (laughs) so you didn't get a job. (laughs) Karen, you are uh, you're lucky enough to be a successful podcaster. Did you have to do any of the outdoor or Zoom shows that we all did in the lockdown? I did a, a
0: couple of the um, Chris and I have talked about it because I did. I agreed to do one because Chris was doing it. It was like quiplash. It was, you know, oh, yeah. so it wasn't out. It was not outdoor. It was Zoom. I did a couple of those. So there was it was game based. It wasn't like doing a set. Sean
2: O'Connor's one, right? Uh, there was that.
0: one by one of those guys, and then there was another one that that um Louis Katz did, maybe. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was. It was a lot. There's a lot of dual yeah, yeah. quiplash shows.
0: There's some quiplashes, which I thought it's a game, so that's fine. It, but that then I just went, I don't, what am I doing? I, I'm let somebody else have that yeah. spot in the middle of
1: doing do. all these zoom shows. I go on Instagram and I see Moses. Performing in the middle of the beat, in the water, in the oh, ocean, yeah. diving into <laughs> waves in a wet suit. I have what? people with tiki torches laughing as, yeah. as the, li- the breeze, the life giving breeze of the ocean hits the You can't them.
2: say tiki torches with my face. You need to no, clarify that. It. That needs to be qualified. Yeah. Uh, I did a show at, least, at I saw the that yeah. uh, ocean. I did a show at the ocean and it went exactly as well as you thought. And I thought it was funny to wear a suit the whole time. Uh, and then I, I was like, I just need to fit in. I need to get, so I jumped in the water (laughs) right before this, (laughs) like, like, I was like, said hello, jumped in the water, came back. And then, you know how like sometimes adrenaline will take over. Even if you have the flu, you could perform, you could catch your breath. You're not tired anymore. Once you're on stage, not the case. The entire set, I was so, so cold. It's the middle of winter (laughs) and I couldn't catch my breath the entire set. (laughs) Great gripping in a suit, in an H and M suit, <laughs> where the fabric is just made of different rashes.
1: <laughs> yeah, you've done some impressive physical. The last time I did, I had the pleasure of trying to follow you at the improv, but you would just, you would. Cl- were you up in the rafters? It was like oh, that no the... more performance on Saturday Night Live where he's up in the fan. F- you were up in the rafters and then slid down the handrail perfectly, like mid joke, and yeah. landed and did the punchline, uh, right? I, it was really impressive physically. I'm a
2: jazz boy.
1: You are a jazz um, boy. It <laughs> doesn't always work to.
2: out, though. I did fall one story off of the uh, new improv, like their upper level. I fell one story uh, right on my oh, hip. You're kidding.
1: Yeah. When was this? Uh,
2: it was pretty early. I was very excited to be back indoors again. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty early on, and I was trying to get back down. And they're they're new there. the The staircase that's in there, at least in the second floor, is relatively new. So the booths that are behind it are not bolted down. And I was trying to get one foot on a on the back of the booth so I could eventually climb up. Very loose, and then just fell one story. <laughs> and then uh, I had about six more minutes left, so I wasn't going to bail. So I did the rest of the set
0: did you yeah was it like it's fine i'm fine yeah i have like
2: maybe three more years before everything is going to be unhealable it's just going to be like oh that yeah i don't have a left hip anymore
0: one time at um, the old Luna Park, which is, I don't no one knows it anymore, but they had this kind of old-fashioned stage where if you walked up to it and stood there, it was probably like mid-chest on the average person, pretty high up. And I was doing this show, and I was the host, so I ran out. No one introduced me. They just go, go out right. there. So I saw there was a doorway with like um, long, tinsely stuff in the doorway. So I go, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to run up to the stage and... Introduce myself, run out into that waiting area, and then walk on and take the stage. Yeah. So I did that, ladies and gentlemen. Here she is, Karen Kilgariff. Ran over. There was no floor, it was an empty room. Um. It was like a four foot drop into a, a room with no lights on, filled with folding chairs. And I, as I was falling, I went, You have to get back up and go back out there immediately. You can't just have fallen. So I fell. <laughs> and, and then just turned and like somehow propelled myself back up on stage. And I had sprained my ankle, but I just was like, whatever. And then there's a guy in the front row and I'm like, thanks, everybody. And there's a guy in the front row who was crying, laughing. And I looked at him and I go, you saw what just happened, Todd. Huh? Uh, yeah. Like oh. he was dying and no one else knew. Like, like they just thought there was like a slight pause and a chair sound. Were
2: you in, uh, did you feel the full impact of the pain while you're performing or was do you got off. they are like, it's, it's broken. Yeah, it
0: was, I mean, I only did, I would say I just did like five minutes and then introduced the first person and got backstage and was like, I have fully sprained my ankle. Uh. <laughs> but in the moment, I didn't feel anything because I was like... You have to, you have to go back out there, and I somehow turned and like it was really high. I, I just like propelled myself back up,
2: right? Because we're so desperate to get that attention. That was like <laughs> it's like a mom lifting a car off her child. Yes. And we're like, my three minute set. I must get a laugh. You I won't lose. Height. I can
0: jump like a I can't cat. lose. Come yeah. before me.
2: I could jump twice my body height. <laughs> um, I broken a foot jumping off the stage at uh, what's the what's the hot tub stage really Not oh that yeah bar. the virgil yeah and you had jumping a... off of that one fully yeah, I didn't feel it after i didn't feel it till after and i had to yeah. work the next day so Ugh. i was limping in every scene uh yeah that was that was a bad one because it's a foot so it doesn't really heal if you keep walking on it and you're like hey, you need this job yeah <laughs> did you that work was a, one. I had... there was a lot of people at the show too that's
1: a hurt yeah, From like, work, yeah. <laughs> see you tomorrow uh, limpy. yeah especially so work to work. <laughs> Um, no, it was like 12 people. Yeah. Oh, that always makes... When you're injured, it's so fun when there's a dozen people there to just add that extra kiss of uh, evaluate yeah. your life in this moment. One time opening for Daniel Tosh, I was drunk on stage. Uh, it was 15 years ago. And I it was at the Punchline in Sacramento. They just had one step up to the stage. There was just a box that someone had made. It was not <laughs> adhered to the floor. Yeah. Or... And I was having a terrible set. I recognized someone from my childhood in the audience. And he, I said, are you from Montana? And he shook his head no. And I'm like, didn't have anywhere to go with it. So I'm like, good, I thought you were this guy I went to high school with that I didn't like. And in that moment, I realized it was him. He just lied and <laughs> pretended didn't it was Didn't want wasn't...
2: to be a part of the show. He's and like, I don't me... don't rope me into this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I just got off stage out of embarrassment. And my heel stepped on this box and it barrel rolled under me like a a log in one of those challenges you see on espn i just landed on this box and it broke under my ass just all sides of it and i and then i got mad the audience kind of laughed and then i yelled at them for laughing (laughs) and then just I had to walk through it was the worst and I would yeah, I was hurt all week. I was I like love I,
0: that, that that happened at the punchline. A chain of comedy clubs, like one of the biggest comedy club chains there is. Yeah. They don't have one step up to the stage.
1: It was just a free floating box and, <laughs> and cross your fingers and go heels first
2: into it. At the quality that is a comedy club, that all the furniture would be sound. Did someone from the club come up to me, like, You're going to pay for that box. Yeah. Hey, Chris, you might have snapped
1: your heel. That comes out of your pay. Yeah. Yeah. During Daniel's set, you could hear the slight hammering of me fixing it in the green room <laughs> while crying.
2: I'll think fix, fix I always feel stuff. like shit when I broke a clock at uh, helium in Portland.
1: Oh, just climbing God. over that
2: wall, and the other side of the wall is just a glass clock. It, so it sounded way worse than it was. But <laughs> I, I, I bought them a clock. They were very nice about it, but that made me feel even worse <laughs> that they were so polite about it. Uh, but yeah,
1: I went to Target. got I'm to clock. Yeah, they are historically the most polite comedy club in yeah. America. It's okay that you broke our things. We're Portland.
2: Uh, Chris, I feel like you've tried bits in auditions. Have you ever had to clean something up? That's a humiliating part of any bit, is having you do some big thing in the room and then you have to
1: clean it up. Yeah, sorry, I (laughs) knocked all these papers off your desk. Yeah. Oh, look, that one's my headshot that you won't ever look at again. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.
2: Already in the no pile. (laughs) Did you have a job at
1: Conan? I was, uh, yeah,
2: I was like floating boy it was sure, never sure. a I official see that in writing the <laughs> job. It's just like that boy around. We don't, we don't know what you do. Uh, we pity you and we want to do something with you. So yeah, I would host, I think the main job was, uh, running all the shows. So it would warm Conan up for the tour because he had been a while since he had done live stuff. So right. the main job was hosting anything, thing that uh that would help him get prepped for the tour so that meant even charity gigs uh and then the show at dynasty and then there would be like video game streams that happen for 24 hours that come in that but uh not no not an official title it's just like always around there just floating the ropes here i want floating boy to be the name of your job (laughs) (laughs) it's much more (laughs) magical than just what it is like that guy (laughs) that's around And then people were like, oh, my God, you're going to take over Conan. You're going to it's like it's not the Tonight Show. You can't take over Conan.
1: (laughs) There's no such thing. It's a person's name. It's his show. Yeah. Boy, one day they're going to manufacture a suit that looks like Conan and you're going to climb into it and pretend to be him.
2: (laughs) I'm going to run Conan. We're never going to address it. It's an odd enough name where I could just host the show and no one would ever ask why is it called Conan. <laughs> it's like eighty years down the line.
0: Did you start as a PA? I mean, like, were you on the staff somehow?
2: No, uh, no. Uh, JP saw uh, Chris Red and I performing at Meltdown and asked us to do a pre-show mm-hmm. at Comic Con, which meant we performed <laughs> outside on the roof. Good, mm-hmm. and we did. That's like a 24-hour show that would happen with like, anytime like, oh, the cast of Teen Wolf is in and around the area. <laughs> they can't be on the real show, but they could go up on the roof in San Diego. Jesus. Uh, Did you show hot... up and
1: you were like, what, no gazebo?
2: <laughs> I was I was ecstatic to be there. I was like, shit in my pants, so nervous. Yeah. Chris was like, yeah, this is bullshit. Uh, <laughs> he had options. He was like on a Chuck Lorre show. And then, uh, yeah, we interviewed people in the sun and then Conan would come up there with us and just sort of tell people like this is a thing and don't tune out. And uh, <laughs> that went well, so I got to do the show. And then ever since then, I just have worked there, uh, just as as a performer, uh, hired hand. But and, no, I and, never,
1: I've never done an actually like productive work as far as like move anything. There. Yeah, he just obviously likes you, which is which is cool. I, yeah,
0: that's the all panel. It
1: takes. And I don't even know if this is a good thing to bring up, because as I recall, it ends with a video, a visual, <laughs> which you had a bunch of in your special. Yeah, but uh, oh, you can the, blow the bit. Can you? Yes, I am going to blow it. Can you just t- talk about the tapes that you recorded over that? This is a very real story. So we were not
2: allowed to watch TV growing up, uh, extremely religious growing up. So any TV was like that is the devil. So the one thing we were kind of allowed to watch was musical performances. Cause if my older brothers learned music, that would be a way to praise God. So sometimes my mom would let them record late night shows because of the musical guests that they would have. Oh, That's okay. how I found out about Conan. I got addicted to the show and needed a way to watch it. So I found this homeschool program with a heavy Christian slant. It makes Narnia look tame. And, <laughs> they send you these Christian tapes where science is taught to you with a real wink, a a begrudging science class. (laughs) And uh, I took those tapes so I could get a VCR and a TV in my room. And I would record his show at night, put a tape in press record, turn the TV off. And then in the morning pretend I was doing school, but I was, you know, fast forwarding Leno and trying to watch his show as I hover over the TV. Being an idiot, eleven-year-old uh, is a subscription model. You send the tapes <laughs> back every month, oh. and I thought, oh, the worst comes to worst, someone at uh, the Christian School Academy—they're going to be upset. No, they blindly send those tapes to other kids. <laughs> <laughs> so they, you rewind them, and they just—they don't look at them. They don't quality control them. So other kids would be watching a science class where they're like, photosynthesis is caused by the devil. <laughs> <laughs> that would cut out, and it'd be like the FedEx Pope, or it'd be, you know, Walker Texas Ranger clips. Or
1: masturbating bear. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, that's the best. So
2: they enough people complained to the uh, program that the tapes are damaged, and then um, it got so bad that eventually the program, they yeah, contacted my mom.
1: And I said that we
2: had damaged all of these tapes
1: and the reveal is Karen. I don't know if you saw it on Conan and he's like and I have one of the tapes here yeah. and it's just someone giving a like a lecture, a boring <laughs> science lecture and then it, there's static and then it's Conan like in a <laughs> cowboy costume <laughs> dancing. <laughs> I it was the best. Sorry to
0: question it but <laughs> you knew it was a subscription model after the first time and you kept doing
2: it. Oh, no. I mean, this only this only happened like you have to say, like, it takes such a while. such a slow program. It's just like a woman in Pensacola that's running the whole thing. <laughs> so it took a while for this to catch up. If oh, it was oh. now, if it was like even like what Netflix was in 2008. Oh, my God. Yeah, I would have been found out within a week. But you no, know, such a slow program because it took multiple students complaining. <laughs> and I think some kids probably didn't even
1: complain. Yeah, like, it's but...
2: homeschool. You're obviously yeah. being neglected. You put these tapes on, you're like, oh, I guess I'll watch this. It's not some boring lecture. Oh, so... It
1: was for homeschool kids primarily. Yeah. Which you, yeah. you were homeschooled.
2: Uh, that's generous. <laughs> no school, essentially. Uh, I think I learned how to read and write officially at 16 slash Eighteen, and then still struggle today. Like if I do a table read now, I'm like, I know it's scripts under locks, but I, I I do need to look at it before.
1: Yeah, well, you didn't you say in your special that you just found out that you have dyslexia?
2: Yeah, how that's so I, insane. Before, there's so much insecurity around not being able to read and write. It's the most embarrassing thing. So I it, just it pretend I'm not
1: interested in it. That's worked <laughs> for me. Book is boring. <laughs> Dumb. It's just not a good one.
2: (laughs) Right. So, yeah, it took me a while to be like, okay, now I'm actually putting the effort in to learn how to read. I've gotten Hooked on Phonics off eBay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It started with rudimentary, that's hard, that's hard when you're like shaving and you're listening to Hooked on Phonics, (laughs) but um, it's, uh, so then I, then I officially got tested. By my therapist recommended a uh, psychologist, and then did a series of tests, and then found out not only am I dyslexic, but I'm also dysgraphic, which is the order of things. So if you were to tell me a phone number, I couldn't then transmute that into a written uh, language. So it's the two worst things on top of the worst education. Wow, that you can
1: what, that's so because yeah, you've made up for it in other way. You seem to me to be a high functioning. Brained person. And that's something that was worded in a way that I'm admitting that I'm not. High functioning brain person.
2: <laughs> high functioning word person.
1: You are me, a talkie, me good at words. You're a high talking yeah. quality man.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's possible with technology to not be entirely literate because there's things like there's programs I can read for you. Yeah. Or just put double the work in. I can't cold read a script. I'd have to memorize the entire thing. So, I because I'm not going to sound it out. If I do those bad like MTV clip shows where you read a teleprompter, I come in the day before and I memorize the entire entire half hour script, all the blocks.
1: Did you always do that. that kind of secretively, or were you just yeah, openly like, yeah. I have a reading thing that's once happening. you got
2: a name for your disorder? Ooh, sky's the limit. I'm not yeah. mean, I'm <laughs> mentally unwell. <$10 laughs> word, I can be a piece of shit. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the liberation of having a, a name and of the disorder has been, it's great. Because now I can just tell producers up front, of, you know, hey, I have this disorder and can't discriminate.
1: Yeah, I think I should probably see what I have. I'm pretty certain, just looking back on my life, that I have some version of ADD. Would you guess that, Karen? You know me About well. you? Yeah,
0: I think I sure. do.
1: Yeah. So I should be taking... Well, I... So I sorted. have a
0: feeling, though, that most people that go into comedy is there's something about us where it's like we just first of all, we need to feel special and different, but it's because we are special and different. So what whatever that kind of thing is, it's like there's nothing more independent, self-sustaining, kind of like self propelling or whatever, then stand up. Like, no one can tell you how to do it. No one can tell you, like, anything about it. You just get to do it the way you do it, and you have to figure out how to do it well enough so that it's successful. So it's kind of the perfect thing for anyone, whether it's, like, a reading issue or a personality disorder or, like, for me, I just wanted to figure out how to smoke pot all the time. Sure. Yeah. so, like, it, and yet still, like, seeing successful yeah. or like i was doing something like the partying aspect so i just think it's kind of like yeah it would make perfect sense
1: yeah i just i one time working i making that world's dumbest show i would get so overwhelmed by everything and someone said here try this Adderall it'll help you focus and i've never felt more no- normal before and everything was easier for me <laughs> and i'm like oh okay i'm someone that maybe requires this pill and I—that was five years ago. I haven't looked back. I have never.
2: <laughs> but uh, you're I, still on Adderall.
1: Yeah. I have not. I—I've taken it once in my life, uh, and that—that that was one of the best days of my life. Yet I. Because it been. sounds
2: like you do need it. I think for people that actually do need it, you don't have the meth slash cocaine effect. We're like, yeah, I'm going to clean my closet. It's just right. a normal. I'm focused now. I can read this thing. Yeah, anything, and then yeah. a terrible come down.
1: But right, right. Yeah. Are, you, are
2: you afraid of having a dependency on
1: a drug? I'm afraid that, like Karen was saying, if I end up taking something like that, all of a sudden the, the urgency and frantic energy I use to do stand-up will be gone and I'll no longer be funny. Yeah. <laughs>
0: you know what I yeah. mean? Very possible. Yeah. Very similar to me being afraid the bees are going um, <laughs> to be taken away. Oh, <laughs> what if bees? that was, I'm scared the bees are taken away and now I'm not funny. <laughs> yeah, that was the secret <laughs> to everything. <laughs> and the, something this about beehive that's, that's 20 feet down a hill away from yeah. My house. Ever, yeah,
1: I never watched that movie with Tom Hanks where all the bees come out of that guy's mouth. What was, what was up with that?
2: <laughs> oh, I don't know. I just know that's even the mummies where
1: it's all the bugs. Yeah, that there's you're so saying?
0: many bees. Oh, you're talking about the Green Mile? Yes,
1: thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bees fly out of his mouth. And I remember ceasing to watch it after that moment.
0: You might need Adderall. Yeah, maybe I do. Maybe I do. (laughs) And you need it right now. The thing is, can you get some now?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I I didn't like the way it made me feel after. I was like, this is not good. It's whatever the benefit I would get from reading. It's different for everyone. It sounds like it's bad. It's just like, you had like, yeah, a hang like oh, the come down is awful. You're, wow. Because it does focus you and you do get a little bit of a, a joy, a little bit of a boost that would help you not get frustrated. Because if you are read now, I get physical headaches. Right. And everything in your childhood comes up with the frustration of like, why? Why didn't my parents take care of me and think you should probably be in school? So it does help you power through that. But then there's just awful come down. You're essentially borrowing tomorrow's joy for today.
0: Moses, will you talk a little bit about your childhood? I know you don't want to like yeah. blow jokes from your special, but right. at the same oh, no, time no, no, it no. is it's incredibly fine. fascinating. Yes. How you grew up.
2: I mean, it's like what I'm working on now, it's part two. We barely scratched the surface in this special just because it's out of time. And I'm I don't know, it takes a lot of talent to make some of that stuff funny. And I'm just not talented enough as a comedian to make it work Um, very religious parents. They joined a doomsday cult in the 90s and. It wasn't a famous one i don't think they, they never they had a name called the way but then there's a way more successful cult called the way and so they just <laughs> dropped the name and they never renamed it because <laughs> they don't believe in themselves uh, so then uh we for most of my life there's three families in the cult a lot of kids in each of the families is suspect that they just had kids to fill out the membership <laughs> and we traveled around each of the families had a bus like a Greyhound bus that, uh, very shabby, but uh, converted that into a home. And, and uh, we, we would tour around the United States un- unofficially and uh, street preach. We would have big neon signs that say you're headed for hell. And uh, the younger the kid that's yelling high, the fire Brimstone, the more of an interest catcher it is. So so that was uh, your
1: first uh, performance.
2: Yeah. First performance <laughs> it was exactly like a college show. Outside <laughs> yelling at the top of my lungs. People ignoring you. Not really comprehending what the words you're headed for hell means. I just know that mommy wants you to do that. So I I remember I mean people hated us. You're yelling, you're t- people are like I'm a Christian. You're like, "No, it's not Christianity. You're going to burn." So people would spit on us uh they throw beer at us which is like what? Well, even if someone's saying so you don't like something that's a kid yeah they'd moon us they were very moon you when you tell them that they're gonna die and it's all over it's uh, a
1: slippery slope moon and kids yeah. I, i've never done it myself but that was a bad choice but they were drunk on choice. beer i guess but
2: hey we got to go to spring break
1: Oh, so, oh you you drove through Daytona Beach.
2: We got to go to Lollapalooza, the outside part of the
0: gate. Uh, Wait, yeah. really? So was it like you kind of strategically chose yeah. places where yeah, big groups it's, of people? It was were really singing?
2: based on what we could afford, which was not a lot of travel. People were like you got to go everywhere. It's like, ah, we spent a lot of time in Florida and North Carolina and Ohio. And then, yeah, i would try to be around bigger events, or we would stick around another week if something was coming up. It's something as small as a festival. blues is probably the, the biggest example, but sometimes it could just be a fun run for the cure. But I feel like shut about to this day. People are like, this is for Nana. he has got cancer. they are gonna burn, and Nana's
1: gonna burn.
2: Oh God. <laughs> Basically, anywhere there was a crowd, we were there and it was about, uh, it's called witnessing, witnessing for God anywhere and everywhere. So if you're at Walmart, the idea was like you're, you would just feel this push on your back. It reminded me of a goat and you'd have to give someone uh, some neon track. It was a religious pamphlet that I had no idea what it says and probably still don't know what it says. And uh, yeah, you just have to uh, tell them that they're headed for hell. And I had no backup from there.
1: <laughs> so as a kid, did you you just kind of went through the motions? It's, you probably weren't like a hardcore believer in everything that you were being told to do. Right.
2: Oh, uh, we were terrified. I mean, it wasn't so like brain dead go to the motion. It was just like, oh, shit. Yeah, I, I guess I'll do this. I don't want to be in trouble. Oh, wow. And then all my siblings are doing it and we're isolated from everyone else. So that's your entire reality. There's very little barometers for like, hey, this isn't normal because those kids, they have Christmas. Yeah, and uh, they go to school. Once I got to, I don't know, eight, nine, ten, you started looking around and like oh, the kids are in school. We're not allowed to talk to anyone. This is odd. And then you <laughs> see your just your parents getting yelled at at a grocery store, not even for witnessing. Sometimes sometimes just for shoplifting, uh, just bad behavior and not paying uh, rent at a campground. So early on the people that are supposed to be your, your authority figures you very early on was like, Oh, they don't got me. these are people that do not have me. So then the paradigm starts to shift, you start to think a little bit more for yourself, once you come to that awakening that those people aren't they're the arbiters of truth, those aren't authority figures, everyone in the world is not happy with them. <laughs> but then I believed I was going to hell up until I was 16.
0: The, well, the hell thing is just as being raised Catholic, obviously very different, but there's that thing where it's kind of like, but the the rationale that they give you does hold up for a while where it's like just walking away doesn't feel right because there is, you know, the understanding is it's all throughout your life. So it's just like that idea of totally turning your back on a thing that that was built in is a hard thing to do.
2: That's hard. To be like, I was wrong for so long. Uh, it's scary. And it's scary now to not have any set faith thing of just be like, oh, you die and there's nothing. So mm-hmm. I don't believe in nothing. I'm, I'm also not annoying Bill Maher, the man in the sky. Who's gonna yes. be, it's like, well, it helps a lot of people out. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. What do you know, coffee breath? <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <it's>,
2: <laughs> but I will... I, d- I wish I had something in my life. Like, I wish self-help worked on me. Um, yeah. Like, I wish Eckhart Tolle was something that was like, yeah, that makes me feel good.
0: Eckhart Tolle, though, the simplicity of that, I don't, uh, you know, that like sit on a bench and stare mm-hmm. concept. It's like, I need, I do need more direction. Sorry. It I is a privilege of the rich with-
2: too. To be able to sit yeah. on a bench and be present, meditate. If you're a single mom with five kids, you're gonna yell that. It's not a lot of time to meditate.
0: No, not at all, or even have any quiet at all.
2: Yeah, I think I think a lot of self-help is geared towards people with uh, a privileged life. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. But when you become privileged, your problems are less. It's more just like self-worth. What am I even doing with my life? You have time to examine those other things. But if if the landlord is at your door, if there's a threat, if there's like, oh, we can't go in that room because the one of the rooms is overtaken by mice and roaches, which is a thing. That's what we were focused on. It wasn't. Yeah. Uh, there was no time to be like, what does it all
1: mean? I everything I want to follow this up with is from your special, and like Karen said, I don't want you, you to bring the. I don't care. <laughs> I the, don't care about the, the, the people fact, blowing it. Who cares? The, the most memorable thing is that your mom dyed all your kid all the kids hair blonde so it to confuse the landlord that there was only yes. one kid if i make them all look the same and to make it seem like she was a natural blonde look all my kids are blonde those so, two reasons i don't know which is better
2: this to- is 100 percent true that was the first time <laughs> i did that second part of the joke <laughs> because we had all these stop downs because so many things went wrong during the taping. The first part of the joke where it's supposed to end is my mom died all five of her kids blonde because she didn't want anyone knowing that she herself was not a natural blonde. Right. Even a serial killer on the run from the law would be like, that's too much. I'm not going to gone girl my kids with hair dye. Now, in the process of setting up the special, I ran everything by her because I was like, what well, is is this someone that didn't sign up? To be in the entertainment industry, yeah. and even though it's my life and my experience, I, I think there is some sort of responsibility that you have to be like, hey, I'm going to do this. You're not going to be embarrassed on a giant streaming service. Uh, but let me just <laughs> tell you what I'm doing. So then, in that process of talking about the hair dash, she goes, "Oh yeah, but it wasn't." This is like about to take the special. She goes, oh, "It wasn't just because of that." Uh, yeah, sure. I was. I wanted not people did not know I was a fake plant, but uh, we were about to be evicted from a one bedroom apartment. And I was trying to make all you five kids look like one kid.
1: (laughs) So your mom wrote that joke. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And it was just the fact. Like, I could never think of a specific that would top that. Of like, that's like when you're at the carnival. It's like, that is it.
0: That's Um, genius. Wait, is your mom now out of that belief system? Or has that changed for her?
2: There's like a a tether to the past of that. I wonder how much she believes about it. But I think as far as the cult leader... Uh, James, I don't, I don't know. If she's in in contact with him. I mean, one of the really genius things that the cult leader did is that she was never in. You always keep people at arm's distance. Of, you never are accepted. He's never like you were saved. So it keeps you wanting his affection. It keeps you wanting to try harder, send him more money. Uh, when her grandmother died, she gave him all the inheritance money. Oh wow! So it's she was never accepted so maybe there's something liberating in all of us kids being like that guy wasn't right okay i remember when he came in to the house and he hu- humiliated you in front of all of us and said that you don't need to listen to your mom anymore she's uh she's a witch and she's going to burn uh that's wow. not right so i don't there's some scarring there uh where i think she's still if he came back and was like you're accepted she'd, she'd go back but i think overall no she's leveled out she's remarried she's in an rv again but this time a company did the conversion
0: and uh yeah i think <laughs> so it's, it it's, it's a lot nice healthier fans. now yeah oh good
2: and she's spending her 60s just uh, apologizing to everyone and trying to uh make up for the past and trying to be a really good grandma yeah. And a lot of people have scars from the past and they're still taking their time to come around, but overall, yeah, she has learned
1: um, you know, 30 years later from her mistakes.
0: That's great. I mean, that that's rare.
1: Yeah. I I do know that she has to be funny though because the trying to get you guys on America's funniest home videos is As not a love, like Greg. a serious <laughs> idea like let, we have to take this seriously it's that. as a job. That's what's so funny is the stakes are so
2: high. So it, uh, <laughs> one of our jobs growing up mainly it was dumpster diving and then selling the junk at a yard sale. That was a pop up at other people's front <laughs> lawns because um, we couldn't keep doing it out of the, the trailer park. No one wants to come to a trailer park. So we would just set up on other people's uh, yards. There's that grass right before the curb. That's the property. This isn't
1: technically your yard, sir. Yeah. (laughs)
2: People are very confused, when you're out front. And they're like, what the, and people are like, can we use your bathroom? We're like, no. So, but one of the jobs that we had is, uh, and that's just one of them. I have maybe four other bits. Is she would aggressively try to get us on America's Funniest Home Videos. Rest in peace, Bob Saget. Uh, as a job, she would write these bits or it be a, something that would happen organically that she would try to recreate later. Like my brother found it, one of her brawls. He's like, look, mom, knee pads. And in her head, like, that's the height of comedy. Say, that was, it, like,
1: say it like you just thought of it. Say it like you said it before.
2: <laughs> so we spent two days trying to capture that bit. Um, and then the <laughs> one from the special is that we're going to be making cookies in the kitchen, all of us kids. Kids are so messy. And then... Uh, Two-year-old me. A lot of the bits fell on me. It was like the youngest, the smallest one. It's funny if the littlest one does something. I was going to drop a bag of flour reaching for something. It's going to land on my sister's head. (laughs) But uh, the nature of having children... And trying to stage bit, uh, and I don't think it's spoiling it. It takes a shit ton of takes to get it's it.
1: So great. And you're just staring at your mom the whole time. <laughs> so you're afraid. Like, now I don't understand the joke.
2: It's like a great who's on first <laughs> moment. Like I don't think if I sat for a thousand years in a room, could write all the ways that the kids mess it up. <laughs> it's such an organic, pure, just like they wanna do good, but they just don't understand. And you start to feel her frustration at a certain point of like, fucking do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was now, really happy
2: that got cleared and made it in.
0: Did you is money? Is there money to be made if your video gets on America? Ten
2: thousand dollars.
0: Oh, if it's exact. the best one, if, if it's win. the best one. But yeah, we never yeah, did that.
2: It. We just got the appearance fee. <laughs> so so she was going for ten grand. Yeah, but you made going, it.
0: You made it on. We
2: made it on, but that's not a win for how much time we put in. Because she would right. watch. She's like, if you do a hit in the nuts video, we would study it. This is like one show we were allowed to watch. If you do a hit in the nuts thing, you're just going to be put into a montage. You don't want to be yep. put into right. a montage. <laughs> if you're on Last Comic Standing and you do some whoops bit, you're going to be put in a montage. Yes. You want your own story. Original concept. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so she's like, it's got to be something with dialogue because they have to stop down, they got to cut the music so it would try to revolve around that um the one that she was a little anxious about was like oh the flower bit maybe there's enough and that's why she's trying to get the lines right I'm like mom mom can i help um but then they just took it and they put in, in essentially the cold open montage mm. which is like damn it not eligible for the 10.
0: that is such a like as we're sitting here though now i'm thinking of all my favorite america's open yeah home <laughs> videos because they're the good ones are the greatest things ever right there i mean like i can think of 10 of them right now where it, it that really was a brilliant chance. It's,
2: it's it's like what tiktok is now i mean yeah. the the most interesting things are on there it's like yeah it's nice to sit down and watch uh you know breaking bad but just something is so entertaining about something that's real to be that happened it's uh yeah. Yeah, it's just it's us. It's, it's those rare moments that it's us. Yeah, so they were essentially YouTube before YouTube was a thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh man, that's genius. Yeah. <laughs> so your for... mom, your mom was the opposite of my parents, who were always like, "Enough, enough yeah. already!" Like, just. Do you just, think that's I love what that.
2: got you into clowning business? Is that you, you were <laughs> taught to not to like be serious?
0: Well, not to be serious, just that y- it was kind of just like. The the classic line of my dad's was, show off time is over. So it was like, they could take it <laughs> like for that. like, they could take it twenty for 25 seconds and then it stop. So the idea of having like, that was my dream as a kid to have a mother that would be like, okay, let's all get together. We're getting in the kitchen. We're going to do a bit like that idea was what I thought I really wanted so badly. Show off is over. In such a deadline. line. such
2: a dad line. A dad line. That's, so you'd use that multiple. I think we ever got this. It's not a movie, so don't make a scene. <laughs> that one was like
1: a mm. 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 My dad yes. would just give me the light. <laughs> that's how you got into it. You're like, like, oh, okay. So, we'll like, two you. minutes or five minutes. What does that mean again? I forgot.
2: You're nursing, and he's uh. giving you the light.
1: <laughs> Wrap it up.
2: That's what was hard about the uh, the driving shows. Is that that's how we know how to get off stage is the light, and people would flash their headlights or just have their running lights on. Right. So constantly, people are like, get off.
1: I I don't know why, but I loved those shows—the ones in Irvine—that I I thought they were going to be terrifying because the sound of a horn beeping is not a. You've only thing. heard that
2: in the context of idiot get out of the way, right? And it's very hard to reprogram your brain to now process that as a positive sound. I, I I'm feeling good.
1: N- we've never heard a symphony of them. You know, honking in unison, and all of a sudden, it's this pleasant thing. I I loved it. I did not expect to uh, enjoy that, but it was great.
2: You should put out your special as a driving show, but in like five years from now, when people yeah. are well <laughs> over it, <Yeah. laughs> what? That was this a pandemic thing? No, he did this
1: now. Yeah, he loves it. <laughs> He's just got addicted to car honking.
2: Yeah, it was hard to watch those ones. It's like comics I really like, but the ones that happen—they—they they, Amazon did car shows, and then they added laughs on top of the honks. So now wow. the, the honks just sound like mistakes for people that like you know. It's like a good hour they did um, for all cars. Never figure out the audio.
1: <laughs> what are, what are your interests other than comedy? What what could you uh, spend hours? Talking about uh,
2: started skating. because It's the same thing of like, you could be a loner, right? You know, yeah. you can get good out on your own and mm-hmm. then had stopped because you're know, just getting hurt. And then in the lockdown, just trying to do more things that match my face, uh, learned how to surf in the lockdown and really like that.
1: Okay, I find it.
2: scary. It, it was like a way to get your adrenaline up because the ocean, I mean, scares the shit out of me.
1: Yeah, me still to this day. I, I started skating a lot during quarantine, getting back into it because I had my hip surgery and everything. But surfing, I there's something about my... I think it's the fear of drowning more than sharks. Yeah. I'm just so... Oh, me too. And I've gone surfing probably 50 times and I feel like I'm not any better than... I I, it's the most frustrating, difficult thing. I've. And there's
2: times you really get held down. Yeah, I needed it in the in the lockdown because one, it took a four hour chunk out of the day. Yeah. It just to get there, the wetsuit, all this shit. (laughs) So it's eating time and it forced you to stay present because just wave after wave. uh, Yeah. And there were some really big days that probably shouldn't have been out. But yeah, you get held under for quite a while.
1: The way I can't whenever I'm taking off a wetsuit, I'm like, there's no way this is how you're supposed to do it right there. I <laughs> the 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 times as a child, when I take try and take my jeans off and I and I keep my shoes on out of laziness and then you're just you have to call your parents in because your shoes yeah. are. Will not go over your sh- your uh, or your pants won't go over your shoes. That's what every time taking off a wetsuit feels like.
2: It's this is a fuse show, by the way, Karen. This is what we do. This is exactly the fuse every fuse show. It's but like yeah. surf
0: complaint, surf complaint with Chris yeah. and Moses. If you've ever been
2: feeling too good about your body, put a wetsuit on. Yeah. <laughs> it's the shape that you are. I'm like, oh, just stomach and taking it off. It's uncomfortable. I like. It was very embarrassing. I like pulled my shoulder. I just getting yeah. it off.
1: I hurt my back. taking it <laughs> in the water. Yeah. You need disc soap. That's the only way to get around it. <laughs> Cover your body and in this soap. Surfers are not chill.
2: <laughs> I, part of it was the lockdown, but that has not been my experience. The amount of fights that I've seen out there and every grown man looks so stupid trying to fight on a floating board. <laughs> But uh, they were very hostile. Very yeah, who were they fight. fighting about? The like, localism. Yeah. localism.
1: Yeah, it, There's
2: only so many waves, and there's too many surfers, so everyone's cutting everyone off.
1: Yeah, it is. That's one of the main reasons I never got into that. Uh, skateboarding never had that. Uh, hey, this is our turf. Maybe in movies where there's like a skate villain, like in Paul Blart Mall Cop or <laughs> yeah. something. But there, it's mostly pretty inclusive. And surfing, I've. I've had grown men take a swing at me and I don't even know why because I was in their way and I'm just, oh, I'm just trying to not drown. I didn't know that you were right behind me trying to catch the wave. They're
2: finite. It's like stage time. You know, there's only so many waves at the right shape, the perfect time at that certain moments on like a skate park it's always there you can just go in the next turn yeah you could be waiting three minutes or you could be waiting 25 minutes for the next wave a really good point yeah so it's like you just wasted 25 minutes because you're an idiot and you didn't look left (laughs) so i got it i got a little hostile i didn't take a swing at anyone (laughs) yeah but i did do some very sassy eye rolls yeah (laughs) i think i got the message across you
1: again yeah
0: i do love that idea that it's counter to every uh piece of propaganda about surfers it's hey man that's cool yeah Irene agree not at all it's like
2: silicon valley tech bros out there (laughs) Uh, talking about nfts yeah it was it was hostile out there
1: (laughs) my favorite quote is kyle cananes he was like surfing is like falling off a roof and having the house chase you I always thought that was... because <laughs> when you... exciting. Yeah, waves are just so powerful. And like you said, they hold you under. I... I'm i terrified of it. I am... Claire,
2: do you ever go to the beach? I feel like we live close, but we never go. And an hour in LA is not close. Yeah. <laughs> right? it...
1: Oh, I used to live two blocks. I lived in Venice for years. I'm embarrassed that I didn't become a surfer. I surfed for like 15 years. And I'm... Well, I could walk down there. I am the owner of surfboards, but I just never... I don't know.
2: And now it's a whole thing. It's like, I want to work out for an hour and it's going to take an hour to get down there. 30 minutes changing and up hour to get back. And now traffic is back. So it's even worse. Yeah. i really kept up.
0: So surfing is your main thing.
2: Uh, it was in the <laughs> lockdown. And I think that's what I want to be known for. Um, yeah. And it's not a surprise. If people, this is the first time I've ever done it. But people just presume I already do that. So and and then even people in the water they would let me go because like oh this guy's gonna be good and then you see him get
1: disappointed in real time. (laughs) But why do you have why do you have that hair? Right, (laughs) you have such surfy hair. Your hair looks like a wave.
2: But ever since I've been like working on the special and then I, you know, had to edit the whole thing. I did all the graphics uh everything for it so I, I there has been no time i haven't done anything i watched a lot of months. your
1: yeah your preparation it seems like they left every including finding all that stuff to paint white the stage how, why was why were they so hands off or is that kind of how uh, you wanted i was it?
2: asking for a lot so i had to be prepared to do a lot i gotcha. think if you get a special what is provided for you is there's going to be a curtain there's going to be three purple right, lights right and there's going to be a jib camera that's going to swoop in on your texting yeah. jokes but i wanted not that camera i wanted fancy fancy me me film cameras and i wanted a set that i wanted to build that would double as a screen so yeah i, I granted they sure they got that more but I was like well, i'm asking for more so i'll put the work in to do it so i built the set but I had people help me out too. like actual crew guys helped me screw things in. Um, well, it and, looks amazing. Uh,
1: yeah. I saw the your model for it and everything, and you going to thrift stores and buying all that stuff and spending a lot of money on what appears to be junk. Yeah, <laughs> but really, it really, it really worked out. It it really looked amazing yeah it's
2: funny that i used everything my mom taught me everything i was running from <laughs> as far as collecting junk off the streets uh, mm-hmm. haggling with people always made me so uncomfortable um just in the process of putting the special together came around to even more forgiveness just having to set this up yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. i did learn some skills they're not you know it's grifting but it's still skills
1: and you beautiful full, full circle yeah. yeah and you didn't have to tell anyone to go they're going to hell
2: I did feel it's healthy. They did make the behind-the-scenes footage, but you know, I'm sure it's a point. I told Conan he's just going to hell. The whole, yeah, the whole I crew. I said, "God cursed you with that red hair and skin." <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a sign. <laughs>
2: that's a sign. Well, I,
0: um, well, this is awesome.
2: Yeah, thank I'd you lo- so
0: much for being here with us. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, of
2: course. Thank you so much for giving me a ride. Yeah, I'm proud. Of, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: just uh, this. You
2: guys have completely abandoned the whole hook of the show.
1: Yeah, we, for now. Can't do it. And now I we're addicted it. to not being in a car. It's, but we will, we'll be back in the car soon and you can. We'll be back. We'll, we
0: just can't get in the car and then be like, we know for sure we won't give you
2: right. um, yeah. a terrible a disease. Yeah. yeah. Right, we won't dramatically change your life forever.
0: Just, like in the beginning, Chris is like, "We can still do it in the car," and we were uh, the, me, Chris, and Steven were all like, "Yeah, we can still. It's fine." And then it was like, "No, no, it'll take one one time, and yeah. you, we'll give it to one person, and then we'll totally regret it." Yeah, I
2: immediately backtrack my thoughts like, "Oh, just get like an open air jeep." The audio is <laughs> shot.
0: Just <laughs> <laughs> oh, Everyone's just yelling into their. lives.
2: Yeah. No, like, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I'm doing uh, anything and everything to you know. Uh trying to get the word out about this special. So yeah, well, it, I appreciate give it, you giving me a shot. Give it
0: your official plugs. I don't even think yeah. they have said the name. Oh, yeah. it's
2: called Trash White and it's streaming on HBO Max right now. And it's awesome. yeah, the story of my whole life. And you get to see all the stuff that I built, all the all the junk from the streets of Los Angeles I made yeah. it on stage.
1: It's great. It's it's stand up but it's also like amazing uh, storytelling. I I haven't even it you it was different than what I've seen you do on stage. It was it was really uh, special. I wish I had a better word than special. Well, no, it I'll is. Like that?
2: No. I yeah, I'm just so happy that uh, people have responded to it so well. Because yeah. when I watch it, I hate it. Because I just I'm, <laughs> I'm upside down on it. I mean, I've been involved in every single detail that all I can see are the flaws. The oh, things I wish I would do better, but people's response to it this week in a non-humble brag way it, that has uh, blown me away, and um, I, I don't know, made me like it a little bit
1: more. That's so Good. great! So watch, yeah. Trash White on HBO Max with Moses Storm. Thank you for uh, being our guest today, Moses. You're the best man. You've been <laughs> listening to Do You Need a Ride? DYNAR. This has been an Exactly Right production.
0: Produced by Casey O'Brien. Mixed by Ryo Baum,
1: Theme song by Karen Kilgarren.
0: Artwork by Chris Fairbanks.
1: Follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dynar Podcast. That's D-Y-N-A-R Podcast.
0: For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com.
1: Listen, subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. Oh, and you're welcome.